Welcome back to the Fight Talk Podcast. This is Steven Jensen. Today, I have Dylan Hales returning to the show. Dylan Hales is one of the main people behind the Scenic City Invitational Tournament that's coming up this August 2nd and 3rd. That's a Friday and Saturday at Saudi Daisy High School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Make sure to get your tickets right now. It's going to be a great show. Me and Dylan are going to break down all the first round matches. It's a 16-man tournament. Then they also have a futures tournament that happens on Saturday afternoon. Also on this episode, we have some breaking news. Uh, the final participant in the future showcase, which has not been announced, the news breaks right here on this show. So make sure to listen to this full episode for some breaking news, some breakdowns. Me and Dylan are going to talk about everybody involved with these shows, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. This conversation picks up with me kind of explaining a little bit about my knowledge of the history of the tournaments as I've only been going for the last few years. And Dylan, right off the bat, make sure to correct me because this tournament's actually been going on for five years now. And I only knew about the first four, knew about the fifth, but I'd actually forgotten about it. And that's where me and Dylan pick up this conversation. So you're going to hear a little theme music, and then it's going to jump right into this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Me and Dylan Hales, and once again, SCI. 8, 2, and 8, 3. That's a Friday and Saturday. Chattanooga, Tennessee, Saudi Daisy High School. I'll be there. A lot of people that you listen to podcasts for will be there. A lot of writers will be there. Promoters will be there. A whole bunch of fans, people you probably know from Twitter. Everyone will be there. And I highly, highly, highly recommend you get your tickets and check it out. So without any further ado, kick back and relax. Enjoy this episode of the Fight Talk Podcast with me and the returning Dylan Hales. Every year that I've I paid attention to the tournament, which is, I guess, I mean, this is the fourth year, correct? And I've been able to attend the last two. Um, I, always a stacked always a stacked show, but this year seems especially stacked. Do you kind of feel the same? I do feel the same. I, I'll give a, a very minor correction, but a uh, this is a error that everyone makes, not just you. So uh, don't feel any shame about it. This is actually uh, the fifth year. It's just that the first year in 2015 was really before uh, the Scenic City Invitational took off. Uh, that year, it was at, it wasn't at a high school gym. It was at a local promotion here in the area that's no longer around called Empire, which was a great local promotion in the Chattanooga area. Um, and you know there really weren't a lot of people that traveled out of town for it. The shows did do well. The first show did okay. The draw wasn't great, but it was fine. Uh, the next night. Uh, the show did great. What was really notable about the 2015 tournament, though, was that, uh, you know, especially relative to what what we're going to see on August 2nd, August 3rd, is that uh, Joey Lynch and uh, Anthony Henry uh, had a match on night two that year, a consolation match of sorts, because they had both lost in the first round. Uh, of course, that that, so that shows you the long arc of that story uh, is that they were in that 2015 tournament, which you can watch on IWTV. In fact, you can watch all of the Scenic City uh, Invitational branded events, not just the tournaments, but the Rumbles and the other shows on IWTV.live. But uh, the other thing that was really notable about that first year is that it was filmed and that it was distributed by Al Getz, who at the time was running Wu Wrestling, who I think if I was doing a Scenic City uh, Invitational Hall of Fame would be like one of the first people I would 
induct, even though he's no longer uh, directly involved with anything we do, because that video being available and being released at a, at a cheaper price on Vimeo, it showed a lot of people that there was good wrestling in this area that was kind of worth paying attention to. And that was one of the things that made it easier for fans to, to make the risk or decision to travel in 2016, which is really when it exploded and when a lot of people think it started, you know, like, sure. so like it, it, tw without 2015, the rest of the stuff doesn't happen. I just wanted to make that quick note because I do, I, I think that that sometimes does get forgotten, but the, uh, the field this year, I'm extremely happy with, um, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, it, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very, very candid in this interview with you, Stephen. There's no topic that's going to be that you that you. I don't want you to shy away from anything. I want you to ask me everything you got. And I, I'm even going to bring up some things that might surprise you a little bit. One thing I'm going to bring up right out of the gate is one criticism that I think might be a little bit fair about this year's tournament is the field uh, is that if you compare it to previous years, there's not particularly since 2016. 2015 was a little bit different dynamic, as we've already talked about. But if you compare it to previous years, there's not that single independent wrestling superstar on it, or maybe even a couple of them, that um, that grab you the way somebody like a Riddle or a Chris Hero uh, or a Janela or even a PCO or a Nick Gage might have in previous years. I think that is a fair criticism. But here's what I would say in sort of as a proactive response to that. Um, the entire dynamic of independent wrestling has changed with uh, AEW coming around uh, and, and coming into existence. And I'm very, very high on what they're going to be able to do. I tend to be one of the more bullish people on their prospects uh, with ring of honor, actually signing people to exclusive contracts now. Uh, and of course with WWE continuing to do what they do, there's just fewer people that are available like that in general. It's not just us, it's everybody. And I actually think what it's forced people to do is get much more serious about building universes that make sense for their products. And what I, what I think the strongest sort of counter to maybe us not having that single one or two people um, uh, hook uh, that uh, we might've had at some shows in, in the past is I look at this field and I think the average entrant this year has never had a higher profile. Like if you run down the field this year, there's every year previous, there's been one or two, and maybe in some cases three or four guys where they're good wrestlers. They're wrestlers that I'm glad we had in the tournament. But you look at them and you say, you know, you kind of almost instantaneously know this person probably has no chance of winning. Or you, you instantaneously look at them and you go, this there's there's a good chance this will be like the biggest profile thing they ever do because maybe they can't travel very much or maybe they uh, uh, are are sort of locked into other commitments or maybe it's toward the end of their career or any number of things. What I think is unique about this year's field is the average entrant this year, I just feel like has a level of exposure and talent that has never been higher. I think uh, while we may, while, while I, I confess, we may not have, um, you know, a Matt Riddle or a Joey Janela, for example, this year. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from guys like Matt Tremont or even Marco Stunt um, or Anthony Henry or J.D. Drake or any number of people. 
But I, I think the average level of talent is the highest it's ever been here in 2019. Yeah, I, I'm right with you, man. I, I couldn't agree more. And you mentioning, you know, Chris Hero from the the first year of the tournament, that reminded me, like, that was the year you guys had, like, Jimmy Rave and stuff in there also, right? Yeah, so actually 20, in 2015, Jimmy Rave won the tournament. That's right, that's and, right, and then okay. In, and then in 2016, we had Hero in, and Hero went all the way to the finals. 2016 was also the uh, the first time we had Matt Riddle in. We had Matt Riddle in in 2016 and 2017, and I think this sometimes gets forgotten. And I don't even say this necessarily to pat myself on the back, but I say this because I, I do think this is important, and I think it illustrates what we try to do uh, one of the things we try to do is we put uh, put shows on, but you know, in 2016 when we booked Matt Riddle, he had not gone overseas yet. He'd not been to PWG yet. He'd really not been anywhere yet, other than Evolve and Beyond, which were basically the two places that he started. And of course, the Monster Factory where he trained. But that that was that was it. He'd not done anything else. I mean, it's easy to forget because the rise of Matt Riddle was so quick. But Scenic City was basically the first non-home promotion that booked Matt Riddle, uh, which is which is one of the reasons why he was uh, so agreeable to coming back to us in 2017. Of course, he won the tournament that year. Um, but uh, yeah, we've been very fortunate to work with some people, and and we and we that are, have very high profiles, and and oftentimes we've got them sort of at the beginning of. Uh, of what would become a phenomenon. You know, we did Joey Janela versus Darby Allen before anybody else in 2017, which is kind of funny because we run in high school gym. <laughs> yes. But we, we, we did that match before anybody else. Uh, you know, Anthony Henry, um, again, I, I, I don't want to take credit for anybody's success. This is a guy who's really busted his hump and gone out and, and got it himself. But, you know, if you go back to 2015, his match with Jimmy Rave was – hugely acclaimed on the internet internet and was really the first great match quote in scenic city history and uh you know then he had a 2016 run that was incredible uh where you know he really was kind of in the eyes of many people and again that was a that was a tournament with chris hero and matt riddle in it in the eyes of many people anthony henry was actually the mvp that year and kind of the show stealer and you know uh from there you know i i i personally believe it was in part that twenty that those those performances in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen that really helped slingshot Anthony Henry to what he's doing now. You know, so we we've we've been a part of some people's broader stories. Uh, I don't take any. I, I'm always a little bit hesitant to talk about that too much because I never want to come across as somebody taking advantage or taking credit for somebody else's work. Uh, that to me is grossly unfair, and I think a lot of guys. Um, even good people have a bad habit of self-gratulation with that. Having said that, it is cool to be able to go into our archives on IWTV and be like, oh, remember when that guy was here and did this? That was right before he went here or went there or did whatever. And you can do that with a lot of different guys. And I think um, I've said before that I think last year's tournament is going to be one of those years where people look back at that 2018 field and can't believe how many guys were in it that went on to do great things in wrestling. And I, I think 2019 is going to be much the same. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the Joey Janela Darby Allen match because I was there live for that one. And 
that's something where I, I hope the people that listen to this show that maybe haven't attended the SCI and are thinking about it and like maybe they're kind of on the fence because it is a family friendly show and it is in a high school gym. Like Darby Allen at one point had his hands duct duct taped behind his back and did a front flip plancha through the ropes. Like, I mean, like it was, it was insane. The stuff these guys were doing in a high school gym, still within, you know, the family friendly confines of, of what you guys do. Yeah. There's a lot of things. You can, I think a lot of people, when they hear family friendly fundraiser at a high school gym, they think it's going to be that old Tennessee wrestling where guys are coming out, stomping their foot and clapping their hands. And, and, you know, Everything, the whole matches are built around punches and hiding the chain and all that. And, and I'm going to be totally brutally honest with you. Uh, I actually like a lot of that stuff personally, <laughs> but that is not what we do. You know, um, you know, last year we had Nick Gage on the shows, for God's sake. Yes. You know, uh, we had a match last year with, with Joey Lynch and PCO in the second round that was basically every bit as crazy as that Janela and Darby match was. <laughs> uh, so... You know, I, I I never guarantee what you're going to see at a scenic city show, um, in the like in, in a in a specific way, or I try not to, but um, you know we've got some guys booked on the show, and if you're expecting like a super toned down style because of where we are, uh, I, I wouldn't I would not bet on that. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's not typically how things work out. Uh, typically, these guys go all out. Um, and I think, uh, I really think, in, in, you know, over time, uh, a lot of the better matches and better stories, too, for that matter, that have taken place in the southeastern United States over the course of the last five years have been at Scenic City shows. I agree. I agree 100%, man. I've, I've had a blast and just watching this stuff has been incredible for me. And, and I know it's been incredible for the talent. And I know we'll talk about the Futures tournament as well. But the reason I want to bring that up right now is because a good chunk of this field for like the quote unquote, you know, main tournament um, came from the Futures from last year. And a lot of these guys like Marco Stunt being, you know, a shiny, shiny example Somebody that you guys, I mean, I know you don't want to take personal credit, but you really, you really should be proud of that. I mean, you guys really took a chance on a lot of these guys before most did, and now they're really becoming prominent players within the, you know, the independent scene. And, and I'm glad you put it that way. That's almost exactly what we were thinking in terms of a lot of this field in general, you know, taking a chance on guys and, and um, and seeing it pay off is really, in many ways, what the theme of this entire tournament is about. You know, there's a 16-person, two-night tournament for people who don't know. Again, August 2nd, August 3rd, here in the Chattanooga area, Saudi Daisy High School. There's my cheap plug, and I'll, I'll, I'll get them littered throughout the show, Stephen. Oh, sure. Right. I'll, I'll plug it at the beginning and the end also, man. Don't worry. Oh, you're, you're great at it, but, but uh, <laughs> a, a, as a carny, I've got to litter them throughout. You know, I've got to really drive the point home. No problem. But uh, uh, the... The thing about this year is we this is kind of I feel like last year in some ways was the end of an era with Scenic City. And I see you know, some of the people who are sort of like uh the older guard of wrestling uh in this region, who I think did great things for independent wrestling in this region, and this is not so much criticism of them so much as it is an observation. I think some of them have just sort of been um, a little bit 
I won't say down on the show. That I, that that may not be entirely fair. But I think they look at uh, they've looked at some of the field. Like you know, I I uh, I, I watched a video last night. And this I don't even normally watch videos from this person. I don't even want to say who they are because I don't want to be uh, come across as disrespectful or whatever. But I, I watched a video last night, which I thought made some fair points and criticisms actually. Uh, and uh, uh, you know. One of the it, one of the people came up that's in the field, and the person just kind of was like, had this look on his face, like, why this person? Why is this person in the field? And I, this is a like, it blew my mind, and because this is a guy who was, you know, I'll just say it was Kevin Koo, and this is a guy who, uh, you know, obviously Kevin's a big part of sup of me, but you know, he's in Black Label Pro, he's been in Beyond several times this year. Uh, he gets on getting he's pretty much universally recognized by people who actually watch wrestling <laughs> sure. as one of the most improved guys in the southeastern scene. And to me, that was more of an, indi- an indictment of the person making the commentary than it was of <laughs> Kevin himself. Not even that you have to think he's the best wrestler in the world, but um, I and I, but my point in mentioning all this is, I think we've seen a this is a turning point now. And I think that that early Scenic City universe, uh, it still matters. We're still going to play off that stuff. But we're in the process of creating new guys that can continue to build this brand and what we do and, and, and grow it and do cool things with it into the future now. A lot of the stories that we built over time, uh, over those first four years, sort of came to a head. You know, uh, the, the last thing you saw at the 2018 tournament was Joey Lynch. Uh, win the championship, uh, win the Greg, Greg Hellander Trophy, uh, pinning G- Corey Hollis last. He pinned everybody, uh, eliminated all three other people in the final, and won his first and second round matches, which has never been done, by the way. Nobody else has ever pinned everybody in the final. And he pinned he pins Corey Hollis at the end, and that was kind of a poetic ending because if you go back to 2015, uh, that tournament... Joey Lynch lost in the first round to Corey Hollis, so it 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 kind of tied things up, uh, it, it, you know there. Um, and that doesn't mean that things aren't going to carry over. But part of doing the Futures Tournament last year was a recognition that last year was kind of it was going to be a sea change, a sea change for a lot of reasons. Some of which I'm not going to talk about publicly and on this podcast. There'll be a time and a place for that. I'm sure, it will happen eventually. Um, uh, now's not it, but. The, you know, you you at some point you got to replenish things, and I think we did a really good job last year in picking the field for that futures tournament because four of the nine uh, people that were in it are in this year's SCI, and this year's SCI is also unique in the sense that sixteen person tournament, thirteen of these people have never been in the tournament before, and only one of them was in last year's tournament, and that's the winner of last year's tournament, Joey Lynch is coming back to defend it. That's it. You know, uh, we felt like we needed that this year as a differentiator, uh, in a year where the independent wrestling scene has changed as much as it has, uh, in a year where, where, uh, we knew that a lot of our stories and things and whatnot had wrapped up at the previous year. We felt like we really needed this year to feel like a, um, a new beginning in some ways 
And I think we've I think we've done that. And now it's just about executing with the guys we've got. Well, and, you know, mentioning kind of the, the stories that you guys have created, I think you've done a great job with that, especially with the other shows that you run, like the Rumble and the Showdown and, and the trios and all that stuff. It all it all kind of ties together. Like like what really stands out to me in that regard is AC Mack versus Jaden Newman. Like this guy, AC Mack, who pretty much every time I've ever seen him wrestle, at least over the last couple of years, I feel like he never actually wrestles. You know what I mean? It's like he comes in, he does something just so underhanded, gets the W, and walks out like completely untouched. And then you have Jaden Newman, who, by the way, got his spot, you know, and got to got to decide his opponent because of winning the show, the uh, the Rumble, which he, he didn't do anything in the Rumble. He was the last entrant and just won it because everyone else was eliminated. And then you have Jaden Newman, who's literally scratching and clawing you know, doing everything he can, doing everything right in the industry, just busting his butt. And so it's, it's like this two, this dynamic of two completely different characters that finally get to, you know, get at it, you know, at the, uh, the Scenic City Invitational. I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, I'm really excited for that match. And, and that match has tons of history. I mean, you could literally do an entire podcast alone on that because those guys have sort of in a way, they've come up at the same time within the, the Southern uh, independent wrestling scene. Um, but they, they've they had almost completely different paths, even though their paths have intersected a lot. So it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a very, very interesting story, I guess, on both an obvious sort of uh, kayfabe level, so to speak, but also on a more meta level. <laughs> Like, I, I think there is a lot there. Um, you know, AC, like, if you're if you're really thinking about it with your... Uh, I, I, I use this distinction a lot, Stephen. The observer brain versus the PWI brain. And if you're really thinking about it with your observer brain, um, I think AC Mac has gotten as big a push in the sort of in the shows that I'm involved with in the Southeast, which would be uh, action wrestling uh, out of Tyrone, Georgia, uh, Southern underground pro of course out of Nashville and the scenic city events. He's getting that. He's gotten as big a push in the last 16 months or 14 months rather as anybody has ever gotten. Um, you know, he's lost, he has lost exactly to, he's lost to one person in that entire time period. And that person is the 2018 Scenic City Invitational winner, Joey Lynch. He lost to him on the first action show uh, in April of last year. And he lost to him in very controversial fashion at the Scenic City Showdown event, which you can watch on IWTV. Um, and uh, that's that's it. He's beaten everybody else. And that includes people like Gary J, Austin Theory, uh, winning the Rumble in a very... <laughs> like I say winning because like you said he didn't do anything Jaden Newman and O'Shea Edwards were tangled up and eliminated each other at the same time he just slot, slid in and won uh, you know uh, he won the Scenic City Scramble at last year's Scenic City Invitational by defeating uh, Marco Stunt uh, and we'll talk about we can talk about that you know uh, because I think the uh, one thing that don't doesn't get thought about enough is the Scramble match and the implications of that. And I think this year we showed what it means, what that scramble, that's not just a throwaway scramble that we do on night two. It has great meaning for what happens in the tournament. 
uh, and for what happens at the Scenic City Rumble over the course of the full year. Uh, we, and we saw that paid out this year. You know, AC Mack went into that scramble, you know, and that scramble exists for two reasons, Stephen. If there is a draw or a double count out or, uh, you know, a double disqualification or the ref stops a match in the first round or anything like that, the scramble on night two, the winner goes directly into the tournament. Nobody's getting a bye. The scramble on night two, you go straight into the tournament. Now, that's never happened, but I think people forget that's actually why the rule was instituted. That's why the scramble was instituted in the first place, That uh, because we had a situation with that Darby Allen and Joey Janela match where CZW had announced that Janela was going to be there on night two, and we didn't want to sort of totally bust the whole bracket, let everybody know what was obvious, which was that Darby was winning. So we created this scramble as a storytelling device, uh, and uh, that's why it was there. Uh, but if there's not a draw or there's not you know, something like that that happens in the first round, the winner of the scramble gets to pick their number of entry in the Scenic City Rumble. And AC Mack won the scramble. He picked his number of entry. It was number 30. And then he got the cheapest win ever. So, the, it, it, and of course, if you win the Rumble, you get to pick your first-round opponent, which is how he got to Jaden Newman. So all of this stuff is connected. And, uh, again, I could do a whole podcast on the Jaden AC thing. We ain't got time for it. <laughs> but this, I really, really think the match is going to be really good. And if you want to see what these two are like together in the ring, they have a match that, that, that took place at Southern Underground Pro earlier this year yep. uh, that I think people can check out on IWTV. Yeah, well, and, and to kind of piggyback off that, like, just the unpredictability of this tournament, like, you know, just mentioning everything you did, and, and especially the fact that, you know, I'll just, you know, break K-Pape or whatever, pull the curtain back just a little bit here, because obviously, you know, you guys are making the decisions on how this stuff goes down. Like, you, you guys are the same people who had this guy do the unthinkable by winning the, like, I know you've mentioned it before, like, People have always wondered, like, would anybody ever actually book a Rumble winner to be the last entrant <laughs> who who does nothing and just, just slides in and wins? And you guys actually booked it. So, like, anything is possible in this tournament. Like, there's there's literally nothing you can look at or any of these, these competitors and be like, this for sure is how it's going to go down. Yeah, I, I think one of the reasons why... Um... I was so in favor of doing that ending. And that was an ending, you know, the, the team for Scenic City, the creative team for Scenic City at this point, and we've, we've gone through some things over the years, and I thank everybody who's ever worked with us, from Josh Massey, who helped found, really was the founder in a lot of ways of this thing, him and Scott Hensley. Uh, but Josh did a lot of the early legwork, maybe most of it in some ways, uh, early on to, to Clint Stevens and, and, and other people who have helped Dan Wilson with creative, Al Getz, of course. Uh, now it is really solidified into... Um, myself, Matt Griffin from Action Wrestling, and Scott Hensley. And, you know, when that idea was first proposed, I believe the first person who proposed it was Scott. And we talked about it, and uh, uh, I was in love with it because of who it was. You have to have the right character for that work to work. You know, uh, you couldn't do that even with just a normal heel, I guess, if that makes sense. But AC Mack is the right guy. <laughs> yeah, for and, sure. And um, he's the absolute right guy. And one of the reasons I was so in favor of doing it, uh, because it is a huge risk, like you said, but one of the reasons I was so in favor of doing it was exactly what you said. A lot of the decisions that are made at Scenic City 
regarding who wins or how matches go or whatnot, they are done, contrary to what some people might think or claim, they are done with a sort of long-haul aim. So it wasn't just that that, that fit the AC character, and it wasn't just that uh, the Rumble was, uh, you know, uh, needed something a little different for this year. It was also exactly what you said. If we do this, everybody will know that we will do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's one of the reasons why I think Matt Riddle winning in 2017 was such an was, was such an important decision because I think if you're if you look at scenic city shows now you can no longer just assume that the biggest names are there to put over your regional guys because we've had the biggest name win you can't you can't just assume that you can't and with so many tournaments you know let's be honest with so many tournaments and, and, and just indie wrestling in general and with good reason by the way I think there's a there, there's this is a, a very defensible position that's logical. If you bring in a name, you pretty much know they're going to put over the regular talent, as they should in most cases. But in a tournament, you sometimes have to stand that on its head. Because if you don't, why book the big name at all? Sure. Once in a, once, once in a while, that has to happen. And a lot of these things that we do at Scenic City are done with that in mind. Uh, you know, I, I'll give you a very, very small example of, of, of a thing that you that might seem absurd to you, but I've seen the way fans microanalyze these scenic city shows. So I know it's not just me. I've seen I've seen and heard these conversations. One of the reasons that Carrie Offal and Nick Iggy was the main event on night two of last or night one of last year rather was we knew that neither Nick nor Carrie Offal was going to the final. And in all three previous SCIs, the winner of the, the night one main event had gone to the final. <laughs> so now you can't even expect that anymore. <laughs> like we, we want to be able to, to play with those things and, and, and uh, allow for a little bit more intrigue, even in really subtle ways. Sure. And that was, you meant Nick Gage, correct? You said Nick Gage. But, oh yes, uh, I did yeah. be Nick Gage. I've got Nick Gage on my mind. Yes, Nick Gage versus, versus Kerry Offal. I admit that I have Nick Gage on my mind uh, <laughs> because he's in this year's field. So also, it doesn't help that I probably have like a hundred one degree fever. <laughs> but but uh, yes, I I don't want to uh, confuse Nick Gage and uh, Nick Gage because both of them uh, may in fact savagely beat me. As, uh, and, and if I call uh, Nick Gage the ringmaster. Instead of the ring leader on this podcast, uh, just uh, uh, edit that out because he, that's really sticking in his crawl lately. <laughs> sure. Well, the two guys, you know, are joined at the hip. So, I mean, obviously, it, it's super easy mistake to make. Um, as far as, uh, you know, even just mentioning, you know, things that just make sense or practical or things almost just doing something like right on the head like that. Like last year, um, when we did the podcast, I predicted Joey Lynch to win. And I thought that he was kind of the most obvious winner being that, you know, the story was just perfect. Like it was, I just felt like it was his year. And I know a lot of people chose Joey Lynch to win and he did, but it didn't take anything away from the tournament. Like it's like, it's sometimes just doing what makes sense is exactly what should be done. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm a, Steven, that might be the smartest thing 
that I've ever had a podcast interviewer uh, say, because um, one of the biggest mistakes that people make, and I, I think there's an assumption that because Scott Hensley and myself, especially Matt Griffin came, came, you know, he's a, he's a trained pro wrestler. He came up through the business. Um, and Scott Hensley, you know, he's been in the business for a long time as a ring announcer. He's done, he's, he did refereeing if you go far enough back, but, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still relatively new in the business. Uh, uh, and I think there's a lot of people who sort of take that, you know, and think that there's too much that we, that we, uh, don't think about things as, uh, as much from a, uh, with an in the business perspective as we should. And, you know, I have, to, I'm of two minds about that. I actually think there's probably some fair, uh, I think there's probably uh, sometimes that's a very fair criticism, but my counter to that, and, and I think this is what's really important is in the Southeast, especially there is this sort of antiquated idea uh, that is sometimes explicitly stated, stated and almost always implicitly, uh, you know, sort of attached to any sort of um, discussion of wrestling, that the the promoters and the bookers are at war with the fans, um, you know, like, like uh, and I understand where that mentality comes from. I understand why it's there. Uh, I understand how it came to be. I also think it is such a stupid mentality to have in 2019 in particular that uh, it it really, any previous utility that it might have held uh, in some sort of f- philosophical way, um, and particularly if you want your show to be relevant and actually be a show that can help propel guys to the next level, which is a major part of what we do and really the number one reason that I'm involved. Uh, it, it, if, if you're holding on to that old mentality, um, you, you're, you're, you probably, you, you're probably telling uh, on yourself, and uh, the, the talent in question uh, probably is wasting their time working for you. Uh, and uh, you know, guys can do what they want, but I think that is the case. And the reason I sort of bring that up in this context is. The to me, creative and booking is sort of a hybrid of those two worlds. You never want to do things just to be shocking or out there because you're thinking of it from a quote fan perspective of things that are quote too predictable. And then you that is an entirely fair criticism. But you also don't ever want to uh, just do the safe thing in the safest way where you are not actually telling stories. You're just sort of throwing things at the fans for them to grab, um, you know, uh, and, and there's no real reason for them to maintain any level of investment. Joey Lynch needed to win last year. Um, he deserved to win last year. Uh, he was the right person to win last year. Uh, I have somebody who is a very good friend of mine who uh, has been in the business for a long time, who in some ways is kind of like a mentor to me in terms of how I think about this sort of stuff, who once told me, he said uh, his booking philosophy was, uh, you know, 
give the fans what they want, but in a way that they didn't see coming. And I, I think that is how you combine that surprise factor and that that the fans getting you know that that feeling of relief so to speak or maximum excitement or whatever you want to call it and uh you know i'm going to peel back the curtain even more here Stephen, and i and i'm going to be dead dead honest with you about this every year the scenic city invitational has taken place we have known the winner you know uh, basically from the very beginning when, when the 2015 tournament started getting planned, I was just a fan in the front row, uh, but I talked to virtually everybody involved in putting the show together, and uh, Jimmy Rave was always going to win that. Uh, you know, Gunnar Miller was always going to win in 2016. You know, that was decided probably even before the 2015 tournament had concluded that was decided. In 2017, Matt Riddle was always going to win that. You can go back that for a full year that was known. Uh, to people involved in the process. Joey Lynch was always going to win last year. What is unique about this year, and this is 100% honest to God truth, this is not me trying to work you, this is not me trying to add intrigue to listeners. As we sit here a little bit over a month out, we have still not decided who the winner is going to be, and I don't consider that a weakness. I consider it a strength. I think... Um, I think there are a lot of things we can do this year. Uh, and, and in a way, while I think all those previous winners are deserving, I'm glad they've all won. Um, it is freeing and allows us to do some bolder and riskier things this year. Um, uh, because we do not have a winner set in stone. That's really surprising. Is that something where... Are you guys gonna like ride that out to like tournament time or like? I, how... Let me let me be honest. You know, again, I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit. Scott and Matt might hear this and cringe. I don't really care. You know, you've been a friend of the shows. You've been a supporter of us, and I think, um, I think it would be unfair of me to sort of play with you here. I mean, obviously, there's certain things I'm not gonna tell you, but sure, sure. I, I I don't want to play around. So, um, I. You know, look, we might wake up tomorrow and go, this guy's winning. All right. And, and again, I'll, I'll be real blunt with you. Do we know who the final four is at this point? Yes, we do. We have a final. We know the path. Um, we more or less know who the final two are. There's kind of a third, you know, there's kind of a third horse in this race that we're, you know, open to considering, I guess is how I would put it. Um uh, you know, it's not out of the question. I guess you could even say that even the fourth person that we currently have in the final is somebody that if maybe some weird thing shifted between now and then, it could happen. It's not totally out of the question. But we have sort of bounced back and forth on a couple different people this year uh, as far as who we want to win. Every year, I think the idea behind who we want to win is a little bit different. Uh, what values or goals or pursuits or, or, you know, ideas we're trying to communicate by a winner changes every year just a little bit. And this year, I think it's it's got its sort of own unique feel. And it's come down more or less to these two with, like I said, a third sort of like teeter-tottering into consideration at time to time. And, uh, you know, uh, I think, look, 
it's not a free for all, I guess is what I'm trying to communicate. It's not total chaos where we have no clue. <laughs> we've, we've, we, we are down to the wire here thinking about a couple people, but we've, 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 we've not. Uh, and I think, um, I think there's a good chance we will not make that decision until, uh, the late night of August the 2nd after night one. Uh, I, I again, it's possible that we will make the decision. Um, uh, this week, if possible, it's not out of the question. Uh, but, um, I, I think a lot is going to be determined over just how our thought process is in the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, I guess we're around what, about five weeks out or something like that now. And really, uh, it, it really is, it truly is going to come down to the wire. And I think that's it. And, 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 uh, you know, I know we've been talking already for a while, and that's okay. I don't mind that. But uh, at some point uh, before we go, say, and you, you know what? In fact, in fact, Steve, I'm going to do it to you right now. I'm going to do it to you right now. I'm going to flip this whole thing on its head, and I'm going to ask you if you're comfortable with it to pick a winner. Oh. Um, I'm going to ask you, who do you think in this field uh, is going to be the winner man that is that is difficult um for and that's great that it that is as difficult as it is um so the the name that then there's there's a couple lines of thinking i have but as far as somebody who i i really like to see win um i love all these guys so anyone who listens to this because I, I know at least a handful of the, the, the people in this field do listen to this show. So no disrespect to anyone I don't choose here, but I'd really like to see Anthony Henry win. I, I, I think that because he's gotten so close so many years and I, I'm just such a huge fan of his style being, you know, as into mixed martial arts as I am. I, I love what he does. And, and he's, he's a very unpredictable wrestler in the ring too. He's somebody that he, he's kind of rare in the case that he'll he'll repeat moves and matches but not get them reversed the second and third time a lot of the time which which like is is rare to me like he'll do maybe the same move two or three times but like he'll successfully pull it off whereas most of the time you see this you see the move the second time and you're automatically thinking reversal in your mind that kind of stuff so it's one of those things where like i want to go anthony henry but it's also like he the first round is joey lynch and like how do you pick against joey lynch in the scenic city invitational so of I'm gonna take Anthony Henry, man, but it's it's like I I could pick so many different people though. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> I agree, it's tough. This year, um, I think this is the most difficult year to pick who's gonna win in the first round. Uh like because I think a lot of people expected a lot of these first round matches to be second round yeah. matches. So like when when the when the things came rolling out, when the announcements all came rolling out this past Monday, a couple days back from as we're recording this. I think there was like a simultaneous feeling of shock and excitement because several of these matches in the first round, I think people had actually pegged in their sort of mental brackets as being things that would happen in round two and probably foremost among them being that match, which will main event night one, by the way, nice. the main event of night one will be Joey Lynch versus Anthony Henry. There's nothing else that can main event. These are two scenic city guys literally from day one. Uh, Joey Lynch is defending the Greg Hollander Trophy, coming back, looking to be the first guy who's ever win the won the tournament twice. It's never happened before. And Anthony Henry 
you know, like you said, like you alluded to, he is, I think, clearly the best person in terms of scenic, in the scenic city universe, so to speak, uh, to never win. Uh, I, I think, you know, in, in 20, listen, in 2016, I think he was the favorite for a lot of people. And he didn't win. He lost in the final. In 2017, I think he was almost a universal favorite. I think every, like, I think he was a huge, in fact, we did, we did brackets in advance that year. It's the one year we've done it. And we actually had a, a bracketing contest where people submitted brackets both online uh, and to us privately that year. Like, you know, we literally had like a shoebox that people put <laughs> brackets in. And uh, Anthony Henry uh, was the decisive winner in the predictions in 2017. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, I think he's one of the guys, like I've seen a few people make their guesses. Some people have, you know, predicted things privately to me as well. I think Anthony Henry is the guy who, again, probably for the third time is either one of the favorites or the favorite to win. And he probably should be in some ways. And, you know, I think, uh, like you noted last year, Joey Lynch was the favorite. And he did win. Uh, so just because somebody's the favorite doesn't mean they aren't winning. You know, uh, they, he could win. Anthony Henry could win this whole thing. Um, but uh, part of this process is doing things that make you think about even your own best hopes or predictions, right? <laughs> like making you double think it. And what better way to make people question whether Anthony Henry is inevitably going to win than to put him up against Joey Lynch in the first round. Because I, I, the, the, tur the tournament winner has ne from the previous year has never gone out in the first round. That's never happened. Um, and, you know, it, it, the previous encounters Joey Lynch has won between these two guys in the Scenic City universe, it was the they, they wrestled at the Scenic City Rumble in a, a match that had a sort of a controversial stop-start finish, uh, and uh, some people might even say that uh, you know Anthony Henry, uh, if you're if you're viewing this with that PWI brain, you might even say that Anthony Anthony Henry kind of screwed himself there and didn't take uh, a a, a uh, sort of a, a a no contest as a as a victory of sorts. Um, uh, and it came back to cost him. He ended up losing. But uh, look, this is this is this is the marquee match uh, on a stacked show, and these guys are going to go out there and kill it. And uh, I think it is very easy to believe that um, whoever wins this match could win the tournament, you know. Uh, I felt that way. I felt that um, the winner of Joey Lynch versus Kurt Stallion, which was the first match, actually, on last year's tournament, I felt that that was a match that a lot of people um, kind of intuitively felt like, and the energy in the building, I think, demonstrated this, by the way. I think it sort of, they sort of intuitively felt like, okay, we think Joey's going to win the tournament. But he's got to get by Stallion. And if Stallion wins, 
Stallion might win the title. <laughs> yes, yeah. for sure. And that, that is exactly what we wanted to do with Henry and Joey this year. Um, you know what? I'll give you my final four, just just so we can compare when this when this actually happens to see like how off I am here. Oh, like, absolutely. Just, Let's hear it. Um, I'm going to take in the finals, I'm going to take Anthony Henry. I'm going to say Slim J gets there. I'm going to take the Bone Storm champion, Brett Eisen, and I'm going to say Jaden goes on a run and makes it to the finals. That listen, um, that's a very interesting final. That's a and uh, just as sort of a guy involved in booking, it's like I can eat, like in my head right now, without revealing anything, without spoiling anything, I could I can very easily uh, see the narrative threads that you would be following to get to that final. And I I think. Um, I think any of those guys would deserve. I mean, I personally think that there are stories, particularly if you're somebody who's paid attention to Southern Underground Pro and action too, which we've both used to sort of integrate some, you know, overall framework for for the SCI this year. I think pretty much everybody in this field is somebody where you can come up with an argument. And, 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 you know, not even like a ridiculous argument, but like an actual argument that they that they should win. Like I've seen like one or two people who have said um, something like, you know, oh, you know, I get that like this is supposed to be a field where anybody could win. But, you know, there's like six or seven or eight guys who are obviously not winning, uh, but they don't have the courage to actually say who those people are. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's very telling. Again, I think you're kind of telling on yourself uh, like. You, you like now look um obviously i'm not going to spoil it um uh, but i think if you look at uh you know i i, I think and, and and by the way i feel like it is fair to say um that if you really hashed it out you really sat down you really thought it through okay maybe there's a couple of guys who yeah there's a pretty good chance they're not winning okay sure why not but in terms of uh, the overall uh, field. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a field that has been as rich with people who are actual concrete contenders. I mean, if you really look at last year's field, you know, um, I think, you know, most people thought Joey was going to win. He did. He should have. Uh, there were some people who, who kind of gave outside chances to a Kurt Stallion uh, or a Gary J or a Corey Hollis. And maybe a handful that even thought Fred Yehi might have had a chance. Uh, and that's not bad. Uh, but the bulk of people really felt that Joey Lynch was going to win. I thought the strength of last year's tournament was that we raised a little bit of doubt over the course of the tournament. So I, at intermission, I had a lot of people coming up to me saying, oh, my God, you, you guys are going to have a riot. Because they'd sort of... Um, uh, they've they gotten caught up in the story and believed that Corey Hollis was going to cheat to win, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I get that, and that's something that that's something that you want. But realistically, I, I think if you really look at the tournament and you go back every year, there's always sort of been between three and five guys who have really been the contenders, right? And and that's good, by the way. I'm not even saying that's bad. That's not any different than the NCAA tournament. You know, you don't you don't. You, you, but, but you, it is nice when you can put together a field 
where I think most reasonable people would conclude if they were being honest and not just trying to score points and, and, and make it look like they're really smart, they would say, you know what? There's probably between six and 10 guys in this thing that have a very, very good shot at minimum, at minimum. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see the reactions when everything plays out. And of course, I'm also interested to see just how it plays out in general, um, from a fan perspective as well as as somebody involved in the booking. Sure. Well, and one of the matches that I saw people really, really excited for when you made the announcements um, was J.D. Drake versus O'Shea Edwards. A lot of people were like, oh, my God, like that's a first round match. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a it's a heavy hitter, you know, and uh, I don't know if these guys have ever wrestled in a singles before. It wouldn't stun me if they had done like a singles match for, for like a Southern Fried Championship Wrestling down in Monroe, Georgia, because both guys have, have done some spots here and there, uh, or, or perhaps a, a, a show elsewhere that I'm not aware of. Um, I think it is fair to say this is certainly the highest profile singles match they've ever had. I think it's the, the, the first singles match they've had, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's the highest profile singles match they've ever had at that. And listen, um, you know, good luck picking a winner. You know, I, I think a lot of people, when Anthony Henry and Drake were announced, I think there were a contingent of people that sort of thought, oh, that means they're both going to lose in the first round because they're they're obviously going to team on night two, you know, because we've done stuff like that before, right? Sure. So I, th- I, th- I think that that was sort of like, oh, that's what they're doing. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I kind of want people to think that that's why we do stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, and I, that's without tipping my hand either way. I, I, I want people to think about that sort of stuff. I want people to think that's what's going to happen. But then when the announcements come out, you know, and you start to look at who these guys are going to wrestle and you think about the long arc, you know, O'Shea was in Futures this year. If you go all the way back, he was actually in the 2017 main roster show of, at Scenic City Invitational on a six-man tag as a replacement for a replacement, by the way. He got into that show in that six-man tag uh, teaming with, with uh, uh, Adrian Armour uh, and, and Murder One against the Carnies as uh, because of, you know, some injuries to other people. Uh, and because, uh, you know, this is a good, by the way, if you're a wrestler, listen to this. This is a, this is why you don't dog it on smaller shows. Okay. Uh, I saw O'Shea Edwards. We found out that, uh, Joe Black was not going to be able to be on the show because of an injury. And, um, we had not decided who was going to replace him that year and in that six man tag. And I happened to be at a TWE show here in Chattanooga that night. O'Shea Edwards wrestled on the show impressed me a ton. I knew he was kind of in with that, those Atlanta guys to a degree or not. And, uh, I like, we, that was how the decision was made. You know, like if he had come out there and dogged it that night, we would have found somebody else. So, uh, that, that, that goes to show that's why you don't ever do that. <laughs> but, um, back to the match itself, you know, 
this is a guy who self-made himself throughout the Southeast, was never supposed to get over as much as he did at SUP and did, became really the top baby face there in a lot of ways, even supplanting guys like uh, Marco in a way, you know, which I think would have been unthinkable even a few months before. Sure. And and really became, in many ways, the top dog there as a baby face in O'Shea Edwards. But he's wrestling a guy and J.D. Drake, you know, if you look at the Southern scene, there's a lot of really good wrestlers that we've had in, and there's a lot of there's a lot of really good wrestlers we haven't had in for whatever reason. And some guys I would still like to get in the future that we still haven't had in. But if I had my pick of the two Southern-based wrestlers who have never been in the tournament, that I feel it was it is a it is an indictment of us that they've never been in, it would be Slim J and JD Drake. And both of them are in this year. And if you think Drake is just playing to, uh, you know, to, to, for a participation trophy, you probably don't know him very well. Um, and look, he's, I, I think even as of now, he's still the WWN champion. He's, uh, you know, a, 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 a major player. He's won half the freelance champ, tag team champions, of course, with Anthony Henry as well. Um, I, I, I feel like people, um, you know, don't sleep on J.D. Drake is a, as a contender in this tournament. And don't sleep on this match. I, I Picking between these first-round matches like picking between children for me. But uh, so, so trying to figure out what I'm most excited for is actually really hard. But this would be way up on the list. Well, and what I really like about it, too, is kind of bleeding into, you know, the Southern Underground Pro universe. Yep. Like, you know, the that Sunday, uh, two two those two guys are going to be a part of the the four way match for the Bone Storm title. So like you get a little bit of a preview there too. A- absolutely, and I want to talk about that just a little bit. You know, all hell breaks loose. It's it, it takes place at the Basement East on Sunday, August the fourth, two p.m. bell time. That's Central Time, folks. Uh, I want to stress that, particularly if you're somebody who's coming to all the Scenic City events, that's the only event that takes place on Central Time. Chattanooga is just over that Eastern time zone, much to the chagrin of a lot of our people tra- traveling from the uh, uh, the Midwest or the, or the uh, Central time zone. Sorry, Stephen. The, uh, <laughs> uh, the the that sometimes gets people. Chattanooga, Saudi Daisy, the stuff we're doing here, that's Eastern. Central time will just be that Sunday show, and that show is going to be it's stacked. You know what we've got announced so far. That show is absolutely stacked, and that main event. You know, uh, it's going to be real, real interesting because the thing about that main event is, and and listen, I've told people all along this year, Scenic City Weekend, to expect the unexpected. That's a four-way elimination main event at SUP. The finals of the Scenic City Invitational every year are a four-way is a four-way uh, elimination match. All four of the guys in that Bone Storm title match at All Hell Breaks Loose on, on August the 4th, are in the Scenic City Invitational, which means it is feasible, entirely feasible, that some or all of the people who are in the Southern Underground Pro main event will also be in the main event on night two of the Scenic City Invitational. People might say, that's crazy. They're not going to do that. Well... We had AC Mack win the Scenic City Rumble without touching anybody. Don't 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 think that there is that that we are above 
doing things like that if there's a storytelling reason to do it. So we are very closely integrated with Southern Underground Pro. There is a method to the madness. I think we've demonstrated that. Like if you look at the stories of Jaden Newman and AC Mack to take a very obvious example, a big part of the storytelling that has advanced that match has actually taken part in its own way with the individual characters at SUP. So um, if you're able to come to Southern Underground Pro, SCI Weekend, you really should. And if, if you're going to be somebody who's going to be watching these shows when they're available on IWTV, you need to watch them all. You really do. And that's not even just promoter speak. That's fan speak because it all is related in the end. Dude, I... I'm so pumped, um, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned you know, Slim J a minute ago, also, because he's somebody I don't know. I don't think I've ever actually got to see him live before, but he's been around forever, and he's one of my favorites. So, and him and him and uh, B Boy in the first round, like two, I guess you'd consider kind of old heads, you know, on the scene going at it. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that either. No, this was, uh, you know, I uh, every year. When you're when you're booking by committee, when you got a team of guys you're booking with, whether it's one other guy or two or three, it, you always run into these matches where there's one person in the group who is just adamant, "We got to do this match. We got to do this match." Uh, and from the moment we booked both B Boy and Slim, I was adamant that we had to do this match. I, I now I, it, to me it didn't matter that much. When we did it in the tournament, we could have done it in, in in the first round or the second round, or they could have been the last two guys in the final for all I care. But I wanted to see these two guys mix it up. And again, you know, it's it's that philosophy. You kind of go home or go, go big or go home in the first round. You know, if you telegraph your entire first round field, uh, with, with, and, and you, you, you put matches together where there's a clear favorite and everything. Uh, what's the fun in that? Uh, yeah, it's risky. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it you know, you, 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 you look, I'm going to be honest with you. You run the risk when you do, when you do something like this, when you stack up the first round the way we have, you run the risk of the first day being the better show. And ideally, well, there's ne not necessarily anything really wrong with that. Ideally, you do kind of want the second day to be the better show, <laughs> right? Because that's when everything's culminating. So the preference is that. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's about the whole package and what is going to give to deliver the, the best stories and the maximum fan experience over a two-day period or, or really even a three- or four-day period with, with Crux running on Thursday this year and Southern Underground Pro running on Sunday. And the... To me, the best way to maximize that is to have these sort of matches in the first round that have unique identity. You know, you look at this match, it is two independent wrestling legends. I don't use that term lightly. I mean it in this case, who are still incredible wrestlers. These aren't guys who are like, you know, oh, they're still kind of pretty good. No, these are like still two of the better indie wrestlers active, you know, <laughs> and I, look, B-Boy earned himself a lot of fans when he came in this area, when he, when he did sort of a, a loop around uh, the Southeast uh, last year, at late last year, 2018. Uh, Slim Jay is a Southeastern legend, um, a guy who's been around for a long time, a guy who's helped make a lot of the top stars. Um, 
I, you know, you've got Slim J in your final. I, I actually know a lot of people who have Slim J in their final. I also know a couple of people, a couple of people who have B-Boy in their final. Uh, uh, that is exciting. You want matches like this. You want matches that have a clear identity. This being the sort of veteran versus the veteran mentality. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to stand out on the show. And I, you know, it would not shock me if this was the best match on round one, in round one. I could say that about several other matches, but it would not shock me if this was the, the best match in round one. Well, another match that, you know, you mentioned identity, like, and one that just pops off the screen to me is Matt Tremont versus Brett Eisen. Because that's, <laughs> you know, identity speaking, that's just, I mean, two guys that are going to beat the heck out of each other in a high school gym. Yes. Um, Brett earned a spot. He's a guy where I think it's taken, I think it's taken a long time for people to realize how good he can be, including himself, actually. Uh, we don't necessarily see that in Southern Underground Pro Ring where he just massacres people, but I think it's taken a while for him to realize how good of a professional wrestler he can be. Uh, he, he now clearly sees it. Uh, if you watch the most recent Southern Underground Pro show, Those Who Fear Tomorrow, available on IWTV, uh, to me, even though obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil something, but I'm gonna break your heart, Stephen. We knew in advance Brett was gonna beat Alley Cat. I know. I'm sorry. Oh man. Uh, and it was <laughs> it was for a spot in the FBI, of course. But he, even though we'd already made the decision that Brett was going into the tournament. I felt strongly as a friend of his and as somebody who works with him very closely at SUP, I felt very strongly that that needed to be a different kind of match and a very good match for us to feel like we had made the right decision regarding Brett this year. Um, because he's such a, because I'll be honest with you, so much of what makes Ison special, I think, is tied to the experience of the basement east um that's not to say he doesn't get over elsewhere that's not true at all but i think i think so much it, that aura when you come into a basement east show and brett eisen comes out that's hard to replicate anywhere else um it's a perfect wrestler for a perfect place and a perfect time and i think you'd probably agree with that yeah i think i've, and, I've called him many times on my show the perfect sub champion yes and and, and uh, i'll be honest there was a, you know, there, there, there was worry. We went, we went back and forth on Brett and whether or not he should be in for quite a while. He was probably the most, along with Jaden Newman, of the people in the field, he was probably, the two, you know, those were, those were the most totally hotly debated guys. Um, uh, and he needed to have the right opponent in the first round, and I think he needed to uh, show even me, who's a very big booster of Brett and, and a friend of his, I needed to see that he could deliver something a little bit outside of his wheelhouse. And that match with Allie might be the best match in sub history. <laughs> like that match, I love that match. I don't know how you felt about it. I'm not lobbying you here. I thought that was an incredible storytelling performance by both of them. I thought they both did an incredible job. It made me think, it, it, that was the kind of match where when it was over, I thought to my, I felt shame that I had ever doubted whether or not Brett Eisen should be in this year's tournament. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. We change some, you know, we, 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 we have solidified, uh, you know, some booking ideas over time. And we've changed some things over time, including some things perhaps dealing with Brad. Again, don't want to spoil anything. Read that however you want. We've changed some thought processes over time. That match changed some thought processes for me in terms of what's going to happen. Scenic City Weekend, um, you know, you take that however you want. Matt Tremont is a legend. Every year we want to get uh, one of these guys who's a hard-nosed fighter. We had Tank, who, of course, is the local legend in 2017. Uh, and last year we had Nick Gage. What's the next logical person, right? Sure. Like, it's got to be Tremont. Got to be. You know, he was a name that I wanted last year. And it didn't work out. Uh, and this year, I really wanted him. And I'll be honest with you. Brett Eisen would probably have not been in this tournament had we not been able to get Matt Tremont for him to fight. Because my thought process with Brett Eisen all along is when we're starting him off and we're introducing him into the tournament, whether it's win, lose, or draw for him, that first round match, that match that has an impact that people see, it has to be a big time match against another dangerous, scary guy. And he's already wrestled Nick Gage. He's already wrestled uh, Drake. To me, it had to be Tremont. And this was, I, you know, I, I told uh, Sean Neutron from Squared Circle Sound Off this yesterday. Uh, when when we when we did his show, myself and Matt Griffin, but this was actually the first match that was booked for the tournament. Oh wow! Uh, because uh, I was adamant that uh, Tremont and Brett was the match for both guys. It was the match has to happen, you know. And sometimes sometimes you want the match to happen in the second round. You know that happened with uh, Gunnar Miller and Matt Riddle, for example, in in 2017. But I think sometimes the match has to happen in the first round, you know, and, you know, like, and I think this is an example of that. Well, and, and also something that I like about how you've put these first round matches together the way that you have is because if, as long as I, unless I miss something like you don't ever put out like a full bracket. So like you don't know like what first round match could even lead to the second round match. So like, it's one of those things where you wouldn't even be able to look at a bracket and be like, okay, well, Ison and Tremont are in like the same group. So like maybe they'd meet in the second round. You, you just get it right out of the way. First round, boom, these are the matchups. And then you don't know what's happening next. Yeah. So we've actually done it both ways. So one time there was one year in 2017, we actually released a bracket in advance and, um, uh, you know, it was fun. And I, I, I thought it allowed the fans to do, it, it, you know, it, it, it does allow for a different level of interaction, which I like. Uh, people can kind of map it out. They sort of get in their heads about, oh, my God, is this going to happen? Blah, blah. Like um, you, start, you start trying to plot the stories and sometimes there's a twist and it's like, oh, my God. Right. And, and that's cool. Um, what I like about a blind bracket, though, is. There's that moment on night two, usually right before the main event, where Scott Hensley gets in the ring 
and he lets you know based on what you've seen and who's advanced what you're going to see on night two and the energy in the room cannot be replicated <laughs> like you know to take to take an example even though i think some people kind of assumed it was going to happen in round two last year in the building when people realized that Gary J was going to wrestle Jake Parnell in the second round last year, it, it that was a very special feeling. I think. I think, um, and you know, you can't entirely replicate that. That's something that uh, that you you can't you you can't entirely replicate. So, as we sit here right now. I don't think we've 100% decided whether we're going to do blind brackets or release a bracket this year, but I've, I've leaned toward blind brackets. I, I'm, I'm more or less in agreement with you uh, and what you just said, or at least what you just implied, which is that that system, it, 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 in a way, it kind of adds to the intrigue. The, the not knowing adds to the intrigue, right? Like we've seen... Uh, if you if you sort of follow what happened in action wrestling this past weekend with Billy Buck and, and Marco Stunt, Nacy Mack, and all those guys, I think a lot of people assume, well, maybe we're going to get AC Mack versus Marco Stunt on night two, right? Maybe that's what we're going to get. But if we if we don't release a bracket, there's still a kernel of doubt. If we did release a bracket, there could still be a kernel of doubt, too, uh, in a different sense, which is, A, uh, we've we've told stories like that and stretched them out longer than just one show before, <laughs> more than once, maybe too long in a couple of cases, unfortunately, where things didn't even get paid off. Uh, but, 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 two, you're going to have extra matches on night two. So... It's not out of the realm of possibility that Marco and AC both lose and wrestle in a match on night two, right? Sure. Like, this is stuff that we've done. In fact, we've done scenarios very, very similar to that in the past. So it, I, I, sometimes I think the bracket is a good tool if you have it, and sometimes I think it's not. I kind of lean toward a blind bracket – but I will, I will say if there was if there was like an outstanding fan demand for it, I would be open to to releasing a bracket. Sure, and I mean I'm obviously cool with it either way because if you if you did have a bracket, it would be kind of cool to do almost like a March Madness type thing where people like turn their bracket in and then you could actually see like who who had the best picks, you know. But at the same time, I'm with you too on the blind bracket, like just because of the unpredictability of it. And I'm glad you mentioned that a lot of these guys will still be wrestling on night two, even if they lose on night one, because that's something I had actually forgotten about myself till just now. So like a lot of these matchups might not even happen in the tournament, but you'll still get to see them. That's the, yeah, see, that's huge. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we, we, sometimes surprises pop up out of your sleeve, you know, back in at the 2017 tournament, uh, Corey Hollis wasn't in the tournament. But he showed up on night two to wrestle Dominic Greeny after Dominic Greeny lost in the first round. Uh, you know, um, so that's just a, that's just one example uh, of a sort of like a su- surprise at a special match that wasn't announced at all. I mean, you can't announce them. Otherwise, <laughs> you spoil your field. But like, so you know, so there are things that that could very well happen. 
uh, you know, and this year there's kind of an added element because, uh, of course, we're doing the Have a uh, Snack with Quack event, uh, which you can buy tickets for as well at SCIWrestling.com. Um, Mike Quackenbush coming down for a seminar that weekend. Uh, he's also coming down uh, for that Have a Snack with Quack event at the Best Western Heritage Inn uh, on Lee Highway. And, and, you know, he announced it himself. He's bringing his gear. And you know what that means, Stephen? That means there's a pretty good chance that Mike Quackenbush might be wrestling on night two of the Scenic City Invitational this year. And that means that there's probably a pretty good chance that somebody who doesn't advance on night one is wrestling Mike Quackenbush on night two. So, it, it, like, I think that's a pretty safe bet. And I also think that's a pretty exciting thing for fans to potentially look forward to. Uh, I can also tell you, as of this moment, of course, things do sometimes change. This has happened before, uh, so, I, so I don't want to say this like 100%. But as of this moment, all 16 wrestlers in the tournament are booked for both nights, which means uh, we're not going to have a situation where, uh, you know, you look at a guy and you find out that a show three hours away has him booked on Saturday and you go, oh, well, he's obviously losing in the first round. Um, that that should not happen this year. Uh, like I said, there's there have been weird situations before where something has come up and we've, and, and, you know, and that's changed, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. So all 16 guys are going to be there for both nights. So if you're thinking that you're going to be able to snoop around and find some poster where some guys wrestling on another show on Saturday and go, aha, that's how, yeah, that's not going to happen this year. Oh man, that's awesome. So much good stuff there, dude. I, I had no idea that Quack could possibly be wrestling over that weekend. So that is pretty amazing. And there's a lot of great people in this tournament and some that you might even have up your sleeve that aren't even involved that could wrestle him. And that'd be, man, that's really cool. Um, something else that, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on. Obviously, I want to touch on, on each one of these matches and get all these guys' names out there. Somebody that, I know that you're really high on just based on, you know, following you on Twitter and, and hearing you really praise this guy is Daniel Maccabee. Um, and I know that he's going to be wrestling Tony Deppin on this show. Um, what was it like for you to be able to put that match together and what should the fans expect out of that one? Yeah, so um, a lot of the people in this tournament were booked very early. Uh, the match is not so much, but a lot of the talent was booked very early. Now, Tony Deppin was actually booked relatively late. He's somebody that... Actually, Tank had suggested to us before, and we thought about it, and it just didn't happen. And we, over over time, uh, it became more and more obvious that we wanted to use him. And after being around him a lot and seeing him work a bunch uh, in person, the collective weekend, uh, you know, WrestleMania weekend, but to me it was the collective weekend. <laughs> uh, uh, to me, he was kind of like, all right. Um, we had a spot open. We needed to fill it. Um, we, at that point, had not really booked out, you know. Um, we, we really hadn't decided even who was going to be in the final yet, which was really important to me because uh, I, I was insistent this year that we not make any decisions. Uh, and, and in fairness, so were Matt. This was not like a fight. Matt, Matt and Scott were with me on this. 
But I was insisting that we not make any booking decisions until we had all 16 guys booked because I didn't want to hem, our, hem, hem us into a situation where we think we have a, a great you know situation set up. Then we go out and get a talent like, for example, a Tony Deppin or anybody else for that matter. And we go, well, they've got to lose here. You know, I, 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 because we've already done this. I didn't want to do that. So um, Deppin was one of the last people. But I'm not sure if he was the last person that we officially booked. Actually, <laughs> I think the last person we officially booked was actually Jaden Newman, uh, which we did as a, as a shoot live in the ring at Scenic City Showdown, now that I think about it. That but, was great, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's, there's a long story there. But, but that, that was... Uh, I think he was actually the last, but I think Deppin might have been the last before that. So, um, but anyway, when we started putting things together, you know, Deppin and Maccabi have known each other for 12 years. They are two, in my opinion, two of the best independent wrestlers uh, in the world. Uh, I really, truly believe that. Uh, both of them are kind of wrestlers, wrestlers. You know, there's this sort of meme that's gone around where, uh, as a joke, like where people wrestle Tony Deppin and then they get signed. That's kind of the joke, right? Sure, like sure. Uh, the, a lot of the GCW guys will tweet that, tweet that out. You know, whether it be like a Jungle Boy or Tracy Williams. I think there may have even been one other in there. Like that was that was that was that's kind of the thing. Like Deppin is so good that he makes these guys look so good that they get signed, <laughs> and uh, it's only a matter of time before he gets signed. And I actually believe that's true. I think he's an incredible wrestler. Um, Kabe is a uh, you know uh, he's been at it forever. Both these guys are former backyarders. Makabe is like uh, I know a lot of backyarders down in this area who regard him as like a backyard legend, you know. <laughs> like, and um, he's very much a wrestler's wrestler. Like if you see like the reaction to this match and to Dan being in the tournament, were <laughs> it was like a lot of it was wrestlers freaking out, right? You know. Uh, uh, that's how well thought of he is in the wrestling business. And he has been in the ring with people like Fred Yeha, Timothy Thatcher, Jonathan Gresham. And he has had banger after banger with all these dudes. And, you know, I booked him. Uh, you know, I you know, I, I really wanted him to come in for SUP back in November last year. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a situation where um, I think everybody kind of wanted him to come in, but we didn't know how it would work out. And, I, you know, we figured out a way it would work out. We got him in. He had that really good match with Parnell. And uh, we got, we got, and, you know, basically that night, uh, I told him, I said, I'm going to need you in August. Uh, <laughs> so he's been booked for a long time. And I think, I, again, much like B-Boy versus Slim and a lot of these other matches, this could be the show stealer. I will say uh, on social media, which is which is not the be-all end-all. We have a lot of local fans. We have some fans that don't pay attention to Twitter or whatnot. But on, on Twitter in particular, this match got by far the biggest reaction. Yeah, yeah. Very much excited for that one. Um Dude, I, I want to say, so obviously we've talked a lot about a lot, how even a lot of these matches are like, like you look at these, you look at this field and you don't know, you don't know which way this is going to go. Um, and that, that's a shoot. That's dead honest. That's not me pandering or playing this up, but the match that honestly, I might have the most difficult time choosing a winner is Kevin Koo versus Nick Iggy. Because I think 
these two guys have so much to gain through this tournament that like I, I just I just really feel like the winner of this match it's going to be like a really big deal especially kind of like in our circle especially with you know the the connection to sup and all that stuff like Kevin Kuhn and Nick Gage is really a 50-50 toss up in my opinion yeah, so you know how in are you are you an NCAA or NCAA basketball fan, Stephen? Not so much. I kind of follow the tournament stuff, but but not not the most of the hardcore so, fans. But 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 you got an idea of the tournament. Sure, of course. That's because it, so so you know in the in the NCAA tournament for a long time there was kind of this meme of you know people would because it's a seeded tournament, sixty four teams in it. You know, you, it, it, they're all there are four different brackets. There's a one seed and a 16 seed, and then two 15, and down and down and down from there. Then you get to the eight nine game. Uh, the eight nine game is often between uh, two teams that were, had had good seasons. Maybe they played in tougher conferences, so so they're maybe like the fourth or the fifth best, sometimes the sixth or seventh best team in a conference, versus sometimes maybe the second best team in a mid major or something like that, right? Like and and you get these. You get the the idea is that the eight nine game, you know, should be the most competitive. But that's not always how it works out. And for a long time, it seemed like the games that were actually the most interesting, and the games that had the mo- that, that were the most shocking, and the games that were the most dynamic and the most explosive, and, and, and where you really had teams that where there was a lot of parity and, and, and a lot of big back and forth was actually the five twelve game. Hmm. And the reason that would happen is. The five teams, the five seeds, were often teams that were just right around the 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 brink of that top twenty five AP poll, right? Where you where you're getting the teams that are that are good teams, uh, that are really good teams, but just not quite the elite level of their conference. They're just maybe they had one tougher loss during the season, or they maybe they kind of crapped the bed during the conference tournament. Maybe it slid them down into a five spot for whatever reason. And the twelve seeds were often these mid-major teams that were really screwed over by the seeding committee. You're talking about teams that had gone, you know, they've lost like three games all year, four or five games all year, and and they and they'd beaten some big powerhouses. Lots of times those 12 seeds would have RPIs that were through the roofs, and people would just not be paying attention to them. To me, Iggy and Koo is the 5-12 of this tournament. It is the 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 the, the it's the match where I think it's the it has potential to be the sleeper of the entire tournament. I think people make a mistake might make a mistake and view this as an eight nine game, right? Uh, it, it's not an eight nine game. It's a five twelve. It's got it's it's a guy um, who's maybe just outside of being uh, that sort of elite level guy at a couple of places versus a guy that is not really getting. The respect that he deserves uh, as a singles competitor, particularly despite the fact that he's the champion at Bizarro Lucha and Nikiki, um, uh, who uh, is, you know, has been on a major run there and has really proven over the last year, especially, that he is every bit as good of a singles wrestler as he has been a tag team wrestler. And I really think this match is probably the sleeper of the entire turn. I know what's going to happen. And I think across both days and including the future show, if I had one match that I would pick, not necessarily saying I think it's going to be the best match of the tournament, but the match that I think people are kind of maybe not going to think a lot about, and then it happens and everybody is like, I need a cigarette. 
<laughs> I, I, I think it's actually going to be this match. Um, there's a very interesting dynamic here, too, of I think both of these guys are known as tag team wrestlers to a lot of people, but they're sort of moving in opposite directions with that. Who has sort of increasingly become a tag team wrestler over the last year? We've seen it primarily in Southern Underground Pro, but also in Black Label Pro and beyond even, where he's been teaming with Dominic Greeny and Violence is forever. Whereas Nick Iggy, I think, is seen primarily as a tag team wrestler or even a trios member with Kerry Offal and Nick Iggy and the Carnies. But over time, uh, particularly in the last year, he's become increasingly more of a singles wrestler. And I think that dynamic makes this match really interesting. This match, more than any match, is the match that I could filibuster on the most. So I'm going to leave it at there. But I, I, this probably is the match I have the most to talk about and sort of the most sort of mental intrigue to me personally because of the respective roles. I think both of these guys are very underrated on certain groups. I don't think they get the play they deserve. I think there's probably certain segments of people that are um, – I'm almost foolishly dismissive of what these guys are capable of in the ring. And I think they know that. And that means this match is going to be really good. Yeah. You, you nailed it there. I was about to say that exact, that exact line right there where like those, I think they both know it. Like I, I think Koo and Iggy are, the, are two guys that that'll take that as just nothing but motivation to go out there and just kill it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Two heavy hitters, too. We don't think we don't. I mean, Koo, everybody, I think, sort of thinks of as a heavy hitter. Um, I don't know that Iggy, pe- people think of Iggy as a heavy hitter. Man, that guy, his overhand chops. Oof, this, this match will be a fight. Sure. And that's a good segue into the last match of the proper tournament. And then I also want to touch on the futures before we get out of here. And thank you so much. for. I know we've talked a long time already, and I really appreciate it, Dylan. Um uh, we got Billy Buck, heavy hitter, against Marco Stunt, who has become, uh, I mean, just just a superstar on the independent scene and and kind of all signs pointing towards him, you know, doing things in a, in a major promotion very soon. And he already has been doing stuff with AEW. And, uh, I mean, you guys really being the first people that I noticed really, when we mentioned taking a chance on people at the beginning of the episode, like, the first time I had ever seen Marco Stunt was at a stuff show, and then I saw him as a part of, you know, the Futures, and then saw him doing, you know, stuff everywhere, and of course, the stuff he did with Janela's um, Lost in New York, and all that stuff, I mean, he's, he's just blown up, and I think this is going to be a great showcase match for both Stunt and Billy Buck in this match. 100%. I'm so proud of, of Marco Stunt. Um, he, you know, he came as a guy just setting up the ring at stuff got on, got thrown in a scramble, got over huge, and very quickly became the guy. And we, you know, I remember, I think it was his second sub-show. After that first sub-show, I I booked him for Futures, I want to say. And I think it was his second sub-show. Might have even been the third. I can't remember exactly. Where he comes up to me, and he hadn't been announced yet for Futures. And he comes up to me all nervous, and he says... First of all, he pulled the hair out of my arms, which him and his brother are notorious <laughs> hair pullers off of appendages. But he and he, and he says, "Hey man, uh, are we still doing that thing at Scenic City? Am I still in it?" <laughs> and it's really crazy to think that that was like a year ago, <laughs> because now he is, you know, legitimately one of the bigger stars in independent wrestling. You know, done done a couple of shots for AEW. 
Uh, I, I personally believe it's inevitable that he's going to get signed. Um, he's just so charismatic, such a dynamic performer. Um, you know, kind of, <laughs> I, like, I, 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 he's, he's earned everything. And, you know, he's the, he's the future showcase winner. Uh, from the first tournament that we did with the Futures show. And he was the 16th entrant this year, you know. And uh, he, you know, the story is AC Mack stole that win from him in the scramble last year. Marco confronted him after Mack basically won the Scenic City Rumble in the cheapest way. Uh, Marco wanted AC Mack. He thought he was going to get AC Mack. Billy Buck interjected himself into the situation at Action Wrestling after Marco and his brother beat uh, Buck's uh, partners in Team Tag, and bang, you know, uh, we got a match. And, you know, Billy Buck, to me, I think is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. Uh, he's one of my favorite pro wrestlers. If I were to make a top 10 favorite pro wrestlers uh, for right now or last year or the year before that, I think he probably would have been in it every single year. Um, he's, he may be one of the less known guys in, in the tournament, but, uh, you know, if you're watching Action Wrestling on IWTV, you know who Billy Buck is. Uh, he was in the 2016 tournament. Actually made it to the second round. Anthony Henry eliminated him, but he defeated Drew Delight in the first round, made it to the second round. Uh, and, you know, it's another guy not looking for a consolation prize here. Um, coming out to that Miley Cyrus, and uh, we got the Battle of the Entrance musics there, uh, you know, <laughs> with uh, We Belong and, and uh, uh, the Miley Cyrus tune there. So that's that's going to be fascinating. But um, I think this is a tough one to pick. You know, I think that there's a lot of people who I think instinctually will just sort of say, well, they're not going to have Marco lose in round one, right? But um, I, I really don't think you can say that. And... The reality is Billy Buck is not, he's not only one of my favorite wrestlers uh, and, and in my mind, one of the best wrestlers in the Southeast, but he's a guy who he represents something that nobody else really in the tournament does represent. Not quite. He's a true throwback wrestler. I guess you could say J.D. Drake is similar, but I think Buck is a throwback in a kind of a different way. He adds a different dynamic to the tournament. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a banger. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I feel like there is, if you look at the tournament and you look at who has won and you start thinking, okay, what new thing are they going to do? You know, are they going to go, or is this going to be the, the first time everybody's won twice? And, and is Joey Lynch going to win? Is this going to be the redemption year where Anthony Henry does it? Is this going to be, you know, like you can, you, you can start coming up with stories for all sorts of people, right? You could, you could say, oh, is Nick Iggy going to, going to win because Kerry Offal was in last year and it was kind of a big deal. And then he lost in the first round. Maybe Nick Iggy's going to avenge it is, you know, like there's, there's like so many stories that you can come up with, uh, for these guys, like is o is O'Shea, is O'Shea Edwards gonna win? Bring the momentum into the sub Bonestorm title match. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think you can come up with stories for just about everybody that makes sense that don't even feel like a stretch. And I think with Billy Buck and AC Mack to a degree as well, in fairness. But I think Billy Buck in kind of a unique way because you got to remember he's feuding with Action CEO Matt Griffin, who is also on the Scenic City Invitational team. And don't think that that, 
it may not play a role here, right? And, you know, we've never had a heel win. Oh, right. Maybe this is the year. You don't get much more heelish than Billy Buck or AC Mack. So um, there, there, there are stories and there are pathways and there are thoughts behind everybody, I think. I mean, let's be honest, Stephen. What would be a scummier thing than for a heel Billy Buck to win in the first round over the smallest guy in the tournament and then go on to the final just getting heat and getting heat along the way. On the flip side, Marco Stunt's the ultimate underdog, right? He won Futures last year. Everybody thinks he's about to get signed. Do we tell the story of Marco winning Futures, blowing up right after, coming back, and then at the ultimate underdog winning the whole tournament? I mean, I think either way, there's a story there, and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this field. A hundred percent, man. Uh, I'm I'm pumped just talking about it. Um, one question I did have for you about the tournament itself is: is that going to be available live on IWTV or available afterwards? So I'm not prepared to answer that question just yet. Um, it it for sure will be available afterwards. Um, uh, you know, in the past we have sort of, uh, even though I think the demand has been there to stream live, there are some sort of hur- hurdles in, in the way. Um, uh, some technical, some just practical. Uh, this year we are, I'm in the process. I, I do work for IWTV, uh, full disclosure. I'm in the process of trying to figure out some feasibility things, uh, as it regards, uh, that weekend. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when, when we're ready to make an announcement, we will make it. I'll put it that way. Uh, it, it, it is, um, it is possible that we will do something different in terms of how you view this show this year. I'll phrase it that way. Uh, but I, I don't know a hundred percent yet. And I would hate to say something and then have to take it back. So it, 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 it will be available on IWTV for sure. And it might be available in, in a fashion that is different than it has been in the past. Cool. Very cool. Um, and then last thing, you know, I want to talk to you on the future showcase real quick. Have you announced all, all nine or is there still one announcement left there? There, there is one announcement left. Um, and the guys will be mad at me. I think they will not be happy with me, but I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I will break it on the show. Oh, nice. Thank you, man. Um, yeah. I, they're, they're going to, they're going to want to wring my neck. But we're getting into the, the, the midnight hours here with this, so I will break it on the show. I mean, you know, for, so for the Future Showcase Tournament, that takes place in the afternoon uh, of uh, the day two of the Scenic City Invitational, uh, early in the afternoon there. Um, uh, and there will be enough time for people to take a break and go get something to eat. Uh, Saudi Daisy High School is kind of in the middle of nowhere, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. But there's, you know, there's a Sonic near there, Shuford's Barbecue, which is really, really good if you're a meat eater. I'm not, but they have great fried okra that they, that they, uh, uh, you know, uh, that I can eat uh, there. So I, I, I'll still plug them. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's some places around there you can take a break, come back for the main card later on that night if you'd like. Uh, future Showcase Tournament is only five bucks. I mean, 
the the tournament proper is dirt cheap too really for the level of talent that you're getting in my opinion it's we've sold out of front row we've been sold out of front row that happened in less than a day but we have other floor seats still remaining for $15 bleacher seats for 10 bucks but the future showcase is five dollars to get in I mean that is that is criminally low (laughs) yes like I, I I look at that and I just shake my head and I'm like why didn't we charge more no offense guys but uh, you know the 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 for the talent we have on the show, that is criminally low. And the future showcase this year is being sponsored by our buddies at Action Wrestling, who are really a sister promotion, kind of like SUP is as well, uh, to SCI. Uh, so uh, you can you know you're in, in addition to having the tournament, which is the, the way the futures tournament works, is it's nine entrants. There are three triple threat rat matches that feed into a triple threat final. But in addition to that, there will be a couple other matches on the show that will feature at least some of the guys from Action Wrestling. So very excited for that. Uh, very excited for that, too. Uh, I expect that that's going to be a, uh, a cool thing for, uh, for fans to see. And uh, I'm really excited about the Futures lineup, too. I think, you know, the thing about Futures is it's not just like, all right, here's some young guys and let's just see what happens. It really is a way for us to get some guys in, to get them seen, you know. And and, and look, last year we drew like a hundred people. You know, it's not like it's a full gym. It's the it's the afternoon. A lot of people are hungover from the night before. But what's interesting is the crowd that comes is very lively. And on top of that, a lot of promoters come to the future showcase. I think we had like five or six or maybe seven people that were involved with promoting. Uh, that were that attended last year's show, and I know a lot of guys who got booked off of the future show last year, uh, a, a whole lot actually. So it 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 has networking utility as well. And you know, when we book guys for this, we book guys for this with the hope that they'll demonstrate something to us, and next year they can be in the tournament proper. That there's somebody that we can really work with. So if you look at the field this year. Keep that in mind. You know, if if tw- when 2020 rolls around, if you don't see several of these guys in the field, um, you know, that means either they or us or both, something didn't work out right. Because uh, these are guys that we really have interest in building for the future. Well, that being said, Dylan, uh, who is Entrant 9? So Entrant 9 is going to be uh, a guy who has appeared on a couple of Scenic City shows this year. Um, uh, he also is a mainstay at Action Wrestling, where he's really developed into one of their top baby faces. And he's had, and he's been in there with some very talented guys and had some some really, really good matches in action, including against uh, his trainer, A.R. Fox, recently. Uh, he's a WWA4 guy, obviously, if, he's, if A.R. Fox is his trainer. Bobby Flacco is entrant nine in the future showcase tournament this year. Uh, he uh, is a guy that I think a lot of people may not have heard uh, of Bobby. Um, if you follow the Scenic City shows this year, you've seen him twice. He wrestled Sonico at the Scenic City Rumble, uh, and he wrestled Nick Iggy, actually, uh, at Scenic City Showdown. Um, he is uh, kind of a... He's an interesting wrestler stylistically. Uh, he's got a grappling base. He was a he was a high school wrestler uh, and a very good one. 
but he's got some of that high flying in him as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we were putting this thing together, he was actually one of the first guys we booked. And um, I think he will be one of the fan favorites of the field. I don't, I don't know, like, he wrestles in this area some as well at TWE. So he's, he's fairly well known to a lot of the local fans here in the Chattanooga area. Although he's not from Chattanooga, he's, he's fairly well known. Uh, he's very he's a very charismatic wrestler, very very engaging, and I think people, I, I think I think he will be one of the favorites. I do, I th- I think he will be one of the favorites to win, uh, and uh, you know much like with uh, with with the tournament proper, uh, we don't have a winner yet. We've not decided on a winner yet uh, for futures. Um, last year we knew. <laughs> We knew immediately Marco was winning. I knew Marco was winning when the whole thing started. Uh, uh, but that is not the case this year. So, uh, And there's a big diversity of styles and guys in this year's Future Showcase tournament, Steve. <laughs> it's a very, very diverse field. Yes, it is. Um, are those, like... Are those triple threats based on how the poster lines up, or is that random how that is set up? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Somebody else actually asked me this the other day. Uh, The answer is no. Uh, I mean, I guess it's theoretically possible (laughs) that they could happen that way, Uh, but but that's not the idea. Um, So uh, you're you're not necessarily going to see that pairing, although there, I will say this, there is a sort of Haas, pairing in there that man i would love it if it, if we ended up doing that in the first round but i i we're, we're not necessarily uh prepared that we, we will probably announce first round matches for i you know what i'm gonna guess we would announce first round matches for futures uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it'll happen maybe a week from today. Actually, as we record this, we're recording this on a on a uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday June the 26th. So I would say that that first uh, first Wednesday in July uh, will probably be the day that we we announce the uh, futures uh, matchups. Good deal. I, and I guess I'll throw a prediction out there. I might as well. Um, man, this this is as hard to to pick is the the tournament proper man like literally any of these guys i could see winning uh mm, that's that's tough you know i'm gonna go zach cooper i think i think you know i i I think because i i could see him as somebody being kind of like a powerhouse in the in the main tournament next year potentially like you know with more experience and you know i'd assume he'll be involved with sup and, and stuff going forward as well so that's what I'm gonna roll with, but man, there's a lot of good talent in this. That's his birthday weekend. Zach Cooper's birthday weekend is that weekend. Actually, his birthday, I believe, is the next day on August 4th at SUP, where he's wrestling Alan Angels. We announced that yesterday. But uh, yeah, this is, you know, look, the future field. I'll run them down. We, I won't run them down at length. We got Benjamin Carter, Kevin Giza, uh, Manders, James Bandy, Zachary Cooper, uh, Niles Garvin, formerly known as Jake Garvin, Big Beef. Uh, uh, Lutha X, Crux Trainee, Kerry Awful Trainee, who I'm very high on, Damian Tanger, he's another WWA4 guy, and Bobby Flacco. So that's your nine. And uh, a lot of diversity in that field stylistically. Uh, I, I think it is, 
probably in terms of style uh, of wrestling, I think it's a, 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 a even a more diverse field than last year's futures. Um, you know, and I think I think Zach Cooper is is a good pick. I mean, like uh, you know, again, we haven't made the decision. I think he's a guy that you could easily see winning this. I know I've heard some people say that they think Ben Carter's going to win. Ben Carter's a, a, a black and brave uh, trainee, Seth Rollins trainee, really dynamic wrestler. Um, uh, you know, uh, the guy who I think is the sleeper in the field, not so much in the sense of winning. Uh, and of course, it's always weird to talk about that when you're helping book the show. But uh, I, I, if don't sleep on Kevin Giza, guys. He has been absolutely tearing it up at IWA Mid-South and in that area uh, for quite a while. Uh, you can check out some of that stuff on IWTV. Uh, I, I had the good fortune of calling his match with Jason Kincaid from the Primus tournament that uh, Pro Wrestling Freedom put on uh, in, I guess it was November of last year. And it, that was just an incredible match. And uh, I literally booked him for futures later that night. <laughs> like, like, that's how good the match was. So uh, don't sleep on Giza, but uh, it's a futures. It's a heck of a field and it's cheap. It's five bucks. It's five bucks. There's no reason not to go. You know, I mean, uh, if you're if you're in the area and you're coming in for the scenic city shows, uh, you know, you, 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 you want to check it out. Yeah, for sure. And and last thing I'll mention, too, is like part of me didn't want to pick Zach Cooper because he's right smack dab in the middle of this poster I'm looking at. But you're also the same people that booked AC Mack to win at number 30. So, you know, you just never, ever know with these tournaments. Uh, Dylan, please make sure any other plugs you want to get out there before before this ends, like, uh, you know, Twitter, you know, the upcoming event, all that good stuff, man. So you can follow me on my personal Twitter account at Dylan Waco. That's D-Y-L-A-N-W-A-C-O. You can follow the Scenic City Invitational at SCI Tournament on Twitter. Uh, our sort of sister promotions, I'll give them a plug to uh, Action Wrestling in Tyrone, Georgia, who's, who's the, the sponsor for the Future Showcase Tournament. That's at WrestleAction and the number one on Twitter. And, of course, Southern Underground Pro, big part of that weekend as well on Sunday. All hell breaks loose. Uh, on Sunday afternoon with that big four-way we mentioned earlier, plus the Southern Under Pro, Underground Pro Tag Team titles being defended. Violence is forever taking on B-Boy and Daniel McCabe. Uh, that's a banger. A uh, uh, whole slate of other matches have been announced. More announcements still to come for that. You can follow us on Twitter at SUP underscore grabs. Tickets available for the sub show at the Basement East. All ticketing for all Scenic City Invitational events. Everything. All of it. Easy one-stop place, SCIWrestling.com. $15 floor seats are still available. $10 general admission seats are still available. Future showcase is five bucks. Have a snack with quacks, ten bucks. All that, all those tickets can be purchased at SCIWrestling.com. Keep in mind, folks, advanced ticket holders do get first entry to the gym. Uh, you know, I, I, I prefer when people buy their tickets in advance for a bunch of reasons, but that reason in this case is a huge hook. This is the first week in August. You don't want to be standing outside in a potential rainstorm or a uh, hundred degree heat for 10, 15 minutes while we let in all the advanced ticket holders first. We try to get the line moving relatively quick, but you don't want to chance that. The other thing to remember is particularly when it comes to floor seats, yes, the front row is all sold out, but if you want 
to get your shot at floor seats, you need to pay in advance. They go very, very quickly. Last year, we only had a few that were even available at the door. They sold out almost immediately. The year before that, we had none that were even available at the door at all. So uh, if you're interested in sitting down on the floor, it'll be one of the first, it'll be rows two through four at this point. Want to be on top of the action? Go to SCIWrestling.com. Get those tickets before the show. Please, please, please do not wait. I don't want anybody to regret it uh, every year. I have people like the day of the show who are messaging me, oh, can I get my ticket? And you know what? This year, that's not even going to be an option. Uh, the tick, Everything's being done online, so everybody, please do that. I'm excited for these shows. August 2nd, August 3rd, Saudi Daisy High School, Greater Chattanooga, Tennessee area. If you're looking for any info regarding the hotel or any of the things that will be happening at the hotel, because every year we have uh, you know, events that do take place at the Best Western Heritage Inn as part of this on Lee Highway. You can contact my old man, Papa Hales, at MikeHales9 on Twitter. Stephen, I want to thank you immensely for having me on. I know this was a long podcast. I'm a very long-winded person, as this plug section <laughs> is demonstrating. Uh, but uh, I can't. this is a labor of love for me. I can't talk about this stuff succinctly. I don't even know how. I get too excited, and it, 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 is, it is very cool to me that you've given me this time uh so thank you so much for letting me be on fight talk with you oh thanks again for coming on man like you know you're always welcome on my show you're one of my, my most frequent guests and i told you many times man you have my favorite twitter of anybody I, lo I love following your stuff seeing your analysis your thoughts on pro wrestling man i think you just bring such a, a unique perspective and such like a you i mean you're like one of us you know you came from you know the internet wrestling community and now you're you know heavily involved the ways that you are and you know it's, it's inspiring for someone like me and it's you know i just love picking your brain man much to the chagrin of certain old timers <laughs> i'll get in but no i really i really appreciate that steven and uh, uh thanks so much and i'm excited to see you in a few weeks here uh, uh at scenic city invitational weekend i'm looking forward to it too dylan you have a great day man you too. All right. Thank you once again to Dylan Hales for joining the show. And thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Please give me a five-star rating and a good review. All that stuff really, really helps out a lot. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, wherever you're listening. Um, there's probably more platforms I don't even know about. This is available on. Just do that. It helps me out a lot. It costs you nothing. Also, please make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at FightTalk underscore. That's F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. My Twitch is twitch.tv slash FightTalk underscore. Write some articles here and there for the Sobros Network. That's SobrosNetwork.com. Do the Fightful Select Weekender podcast every single Saturday over at Fightful.com. Talk all, all non-WWE news. So um, all the stuff going on outside of the WWE, I always break down on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. Also, uh, make sure to check out all the stuff we do over at MMA on Point. I run their social media. That's Instagram at MMA on Point, Twitter at On Point MMA, and of course the YouTube channel itself is MMA on Point. And I honestly believe we have the best overall content in the world that makes martial arts available, and it's it's available for free. I've been doing a lot of video editing for them lately, as well as doing the social media and, and news stuff that I've, I've been doing for quite a while for them. So. It's always much appreciated when you guys check that stuff out as well. Uh, the next episode that I'll be doing for the show is going to be a WWE Extreme Rules uh, predictions. And I'll be having on Warren Hayes, who's also a part of Fightful.com. 
we'll be breaking that show down and that'll be for our sponsors over at WrestleRumble.com. So you can go check out their contest at WrestleRumble.com, the Extreme Rules Pick'em Contest. If it hasn't been announced by the time you hear this, it'll be really, really soon. There's always a lot of great prizes, usually a lot of cash on the line as well. So look out for that in the next couple weeks. That'll be me and Mr. Warren Hayes. But until then, y'all take it easy and enjoy some professional wrestling.